Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. I'm so glad that you're joining me today for part two on the husband and wife duty, and we're calling it Game Changers. Now, I want you to know that you can have a powerful marriage. You can have a marriage that God keeps together, and God has designed marriage to be lifelong till death do you part. Jesus himself says what God had joined together, let no man tear it asunder. Now, the reason that the marriages are under attack is because the gospel is under attack. A godly marriage is a wonderful example of what the gospel is all about. A husband and wife loving each other unconditionally is a picture of Christ loving the church unconditionally and giving himself for the church. And so let's look at this subject of game changers as we look at the husband and the wife's duty. I want to kind of dive in and take off where we left off yesterday. But we started by talking about submission being the key to unity and harmony in human relationships. And as we look at what that word actually means, right? Uh, We don't like that word, right? I got to submit to you. I'm not going to submit to you. Who do you think you are? Uh, You're not the boss of me. But the word submission is a word that means I place myself under. I subject myself to. And I put myself in a position of subjugation. Well, that's a tough place to be, right? Now, the world will force us to do this. And as a believer in Christ, we were asked to do this. Now, you think about the job that you have. There's certain things that you must submit to. And if you don't like to submit to those rules and policies that they have, you can find another job, right? And I find that if you don't like to be submissive to anything, Eventually, you'll be forced to be submissive. And so many people say, well, I got my freedoms. I got my right. I don't want to be submissive to anything, right? Those are the ones that will find themselves incarcerated and losing their freedoms because they refuse to be in submission. They think they're large and in charge. And so sometimes submission is forced upon us. But how much more joyful would it be for us to willingly submit to the things that God asks us to submit to? And it's for the purpose of unity and harmony. Now, we see this in the physical universe. We should also see this in the spiritual universe as well. So let's do a contrast between worldly submission versus biblical submission. Uh, We covered the first one yesterday. Worldly submission is limited as man makes it. Biblical submission is as broad as we can make it, right? So the world would try to say, you know, you want as many people under you as possible. That will determine your status, right? Uh, So the goal would be above as many people as possible because your status is determined by the ratio of those who are over you compared to those who are under you. So the goal from a worldly perspective is that I want to reduce as many as possible those who are over me and have many people under me. Jesus takes the opposite approach. Remember, he gathers the disciples around and uh, brings a child in there. And taking that child, he sits them before them. And he says to them, whoever receives a child like this in my name receives me. Whoever receives me does not receive me, but him who has sent me. And then we learn, secondly, that worldly submission is compulsory. In other words, you have to do it, right? It's imposed from without. And all you got to do is think about the pressure that is placed upon our culture when things like COVID came in. 
and how we were given compulsory forces to encourage us to take things like the vaccine. That was not a willing submission. There was a lot of pressure. In some cases, you could lose your job, right? Uh, So that is an example of worldly submission. It's compulsory. It's imposed from without. Biblical submission is much different. It's voluntary. It's from the heart. Here's what God's Word says. You think about it. Why do we have radar detectors in our cars? Well, we are truly not submissive, right? Uh, So we want to avoid the penalty of not being submissive. Worldly submission is motivated by self-interest. Biblical submission is motivated by faith, hope, and love, resulting in sacrifice. Let's look at Hebrews 11, beginning at verse number 1. The world submits to speed laws because they have to, right? But Hebrews 11.1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So Christian submission is based upon something that is motivated that we cannot see, but we know that it is there. Worthy submission is given to those in authority and they act in a way that benefits them. Biblical submission is given to him who gives up his rights and his privileges in order to bring about a blessing. So we're looking at husband and wife's relationships, right? In the major texts which deal with submission, Christ is the model. He is the means. He is the standard for submission. In Ephesians 5, for example, In the husband-wife relationship, it's partnered after the relationship of Christ and his church. And so the example is bigger than your husband. The example is bigger than your wife. The big example is Christ as the model, the means, the standard of submission. In Philippians chapter 2, the submission that we are to have for one another is to imitate Christ, how Christ lowered himself. Now, Peter also makes Christ a model for those who submit themselves to those for the cause of suffering for others. So there's a major difference on motivation, where worldly submission is given to those in authority who expect and often demand that we act in a way that benefits them. Biblical submission is given to him who gave up his rights and his privileges in order to bring about blessings. So. If your wife is submitting to you as a husband, it is not so that you can control her. It is so that she can receive a blessing from you. Worldly submission is mainly a matter of authority. Biblical submission is mainly a matter of priority, putting the interest of others ahead of your own. Secular submission is granted albeit reluctantly, only to those who have authority over us. Biblical submission is granted to our peers and to those under our authority because submission is not simply a matter of authority, but of priority. It's not just a question of who has the power over us, but who has priority over us. It is a question of whether our own interests are subordinate to the interests of others. Now, biblical submission requires that we place the interests of others above our own personal interest. 
that we serve others sacrificially. Now, this is why biblical submission seems so difficult. Because by nature, we do not want to subordinate our interests to anybody. We're large and in charge, and and if it's to be, it's going to be because of me. And too many times we believe that the world revolves around me, even in simple things in the way that we drive. Why do we get so upset with the person that's going really slow in front of us and we can't get around them? Because we feel like they are holding us back. We feel like they are taking up space on our road and we need to get around them because they are blocking our progress. That's how we look at the difficulty of submission because we feel like we are the controllers of our destiny. Now, Paul writes in Romans chapter 15, we who are strong ought to bear with the weaknesses of those without strength and not just to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to his edification. Now, pressing further as we look at this biblical submission. Biblical submission gives others priority by seeking to enhance their glory rather than our own. Submission enables us to give up our drivenness to be preeminent. We have that desire to be top, right? This preeminence can be a matter of status or power, a position. It can be this desire to be above all. And it doesn't always have to be with matters of relationship. It might be matters of material possessions. So when Peter talks about this and he speaks about a woman, he says that her clothing, her adornment, and even her demeanor can cause her to be center stage with all the attention focused on her. This is why both Peter and Paul address a woman's appearance in their apparel, what they wear, as well as taking different roles within the family. You see, it's very clear here that God has a proper way for things to be done. Let me read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'll just pick up a portion of it, okay? Paul is writing, and he says, when women use their clothing, it's supposed to bring glory to her husband in such a way as to bring glory not to herself. 1 Corinthians 11, 1 through 17 is the whole text that deals with it. But let me suffice it to say that if you want to have a marriage that is a game changer, you must have the demeanor that doesn't want you to be center stage, doesn't want you to have the applause of others. You know, so many people have low self-image. And they're craving center stage. But they discover when they get center stage, it doesn't help them with their low self-esteem. Because they're thinking, my esteem comes from others. But they fail to realize that I think most of myself when I put others before me. When I put Jesus first, others second, and myself last, then I enjoy fulfillment. Worldly submission seeks to minimize dependence on others and maximize our own independence. Biblical submission recognizes our dependence upon others, and it surrenders our independence. Remember, Satan acted independently of God and urged Adam and Eve to also 
act independently of God. That's how Satan tempted the Lord himself in Matthew chapter 4. Biblical submission emphasizes our interdependence on one another. We need one another. You see, submission makes us a servant to others. Thus, submission is the surrendering of our independence. I'm going to be submitted to you because I need you, not in a codependent I need you way, but in a husband and wife relationship. When the wife submits to the husband, the two are completing one another. Let me illustrate it by this. Let's assume that one of my children is not being submissive. And so my daughter asks if she can go next door to play with Sarah. I tell her no. I later find that my child is next door. And when I begin to punish her for her disobedience, she insists that she did not go next door to play with Sarah. She went next door to play with Stephanie, Sarah's sister. While the letter of the law may not have been violated, since I didn't specifically forbid her from going next door or playing with Stephanie, but if my child were submissive, I would only have to express to her that I did not want her going out today. And she would apply that general principle to every specific question based upon what she knew. What she knew I wanted rather than upon the exact words that I chose. When I think about this, I think about the wonder of God's Word. The law is written on our hearts. If the law of God's Word is written upon our hearts, we don't need to be given long, a detailed list of rules. All I need to know is that God has given me his love letter. And because of that, I've got some really good principles on how to live my life. You know, the longer my wife and I have been married, it seems like the fewer rules we have for one another. And we don't have to have a bunch of rules in our relationship because we love each other. We've been together so long that we can kind of read each other's minds and and we kind of know what plucks each other's nerves. And so we don't have to have a, a list of detailed rules of do's and don'ts within our marriage. We just love each other. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't keep any records of wrong. Faith, hope, and love, these three remain, but the greatest of these is love. Worldly submission may act in a way where one demands, and this authority is not really, it's not a silent thing. It's an in-your-face thing. Biblical submission is often evidenced by a quiet, gentle spirit. You know, our culture doesn't agree with Scripture here on this one. In our day, um, silence is not golden. Indeed, silence is often disparaged as, as though we are weak. Our culture says that we are to communicate and we're to express our feelings, uh, to let it all out, to ventilate. You know, husbands are criticized for not being more open, and sometimes rightly so, but sometimes not. But in Scripture, uh, we are told uh, that we're to be like Christ. Peter places a lot of emphasis on submission and silence. And he talks about wives being submissive as Christ was submissive. 
I know this is such a tough point. There are times to speak out. I'm not saying that. But sometimes we we fail to speak when we should. But most often, I think we speak too quickly. The speech that we should express should edify others, even at the cost of some pain to ourselves. When I look at the duty of a biblical marriage, again, we're looking at what Peter says in verses 1 through 6 of 1 Peter chapter 1. Wives, submit to your husbands with purity and respect. Now, why is this so difficult? Well, Genesis 3.16 says, To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to your children. But then it says your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. This is why it's so hard. It is actually part of the curse. Biblical submission is a universal submission. The reason it is so difficult is because we have this sinful nature. I know that, uh, that as we look at this, it is so difficult. You know, in every sphere of the ancient civilization, when the biblical account was written, women had no rights. Even with Jewish law, a woman was a thing. She was owned by her husband, just as he owned his sheep and his goats. On no account could she leave him, although he could dismiss her at any moment. The Greeks understood that the duty of the woman was to remain indoors and to be obedient to her husband. She was to hear as little as possible, say as little as possible. She had no mind of her own, and her husband could divorce her for any old reason, as long as he returned her dowry. Even in Roman law, a woman had no rights. In law, she was considered a child, as a child is under their parents' power. So is a wife under her husband's power. One Roman ruler wrote, If you were to catch your wife in an act of infidelity, you can kill her with impunity, even without a trial. Just take her out. She's been unfaithful. Go ahead and kill her. When I think about submission, biblical submission does mean some very important things. It means that I recognize my husband's authority. It means that I'm managing to the best of my ability the areas that my husband has delegated to me, whether that be the family finances or child-rearing, home organization. Biblical submission is telling your husband when you need to discuss the decision further before you are comfortable with it. It's finding your hope in God and the foundation of your identity. Now, Being submissive does not mean that I'm letting my husband do all the thinking for the family. It doesn't even mean that I have to agree with everything my husband says. Biblical submission does not mean that I'm putting my husband's will above God's will. Biblical submission does not mean I'm depending on my husband for all my personal and spiritual strength. 
Biblical submission is not acting out of fear. It is a willingness to surrender, a willingness to put myself under somebody who loves me. When I think about submission, it takes a strong inward character to be one who is submissive. But there is so much power in it. Peter is reminding us that our wives should be known for their gentle and quiet spirit. What is the purpose? As one author said, it blesses and mentors future generations. Now, husbands, we must understand our role as well. In Ephesians 5.23, it says, A husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so your wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means you love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church, he gave up everything for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. So what exactly is biblical headship that will be a game changer in my marriage? Headship is a husband who appropriately acts as the head of his home. And what does he do? He leads by example. He exhibits humility. He focuses on building up others in the family. He demonstrates trust toward his family. He cultivates intimacy with his wife. He affirms his wife's strengths. He provides and he protects and he brings safety to his home. He delegates responsibility while still remaining final authority. He takes ultimate responsibility for the education and the discipline of his children. Well, let's talk about what headship is not. A husband who appropriately acts as the head of his home does not dictate orders without consulting with his wife. He doesn't seek to control his wife's actions. He doesn't need to win every disagreement. He doesn't criticize his wife's weaknesses. He doesn't have to use threats, intimidation, or coercion. He doesn't have these tactics. He advances not his own interest, but he advances what is best for his family. Biblical headship does not abuse his family physically or mentally or emotionally or psychologically or spiritually. That is not biblical headship. That is contrary to Scripture. Look what the Bible says. Husbands are to provide for his own, especially for those of his household. If he doesn't, he is worse than an infidel. He's worse than an unbeliever, one who has denied the faith. You see, as a strong leader within your home, you are to be considerate to your wives. Now, why is this so difficult? Because we have this battle going on. We have the rebellion battle. If I should provide and I should decide, right? We struggle with this control. But if we would be considerate to our wives and respectful to them as a valuable vessel, it will increase the value of your wife and increase the value of your relationship. There's one last thing we got to look at. We should be gracious as equal heirs of life. Husbands, Ephesians 5, 25 and 26, 
love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. You see, Christ loved the church, that's us, his people, with compassion, mercy, forgiveness, respect, and selflessness. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives. That would be a game changer. I've discovered when I love my wife and I treat her like a queen all the time, every time, then she treats me like a king. When I'm gracious and respectful and considerate to her, then I discover God does a mighty work and it becomes a game changer in our relationship. Listen, God can do the same for you as well. Now, if I can pray for you in regards to your marriage or your family, would you shoot me a text at 252-267-2365? I've seen God put together marriages that I thought were doomed, had no hope of reconciliation, yet God intervened. He can do the same for you today. That number one more time, if I can pray for you, 252-267-2365. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to celebrating a brand new year with you. So join me in January as we begin a whole brand new broadcast year. God bless you. Happy New Year. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.